Hey there, Dave here. Before getting into the episode, I have some cool people that I would like to say thank you to. People like the Top 3 Podcast Crew, Chris Nelson, Zolgeek, Colby Moyer, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, and Jill. These lovely people have all gone to patreon.com slash realdavejackson and supported the tube and the podcasts within. You can be just like them by heading to patreon.com slash realdavejackson. As little as $2 per month will get you some treats like voting rights on what comes up on episodes of a top three podcast and tales from the backlog, bonus episodes and bonus content, and much more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash realdavejackson. Check it out. That'd be very cool of you, and you would be my hero. All right, on to the show. Hello, everybody. My name is Dave Jackson, and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to talk about a game we played. My guest today is a friend of the show, co-host of the Gaming and Collecting podcast, and keeper of the legendary Pokemon cards, Bill Barber. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, good to talk to you. We've uh, kind of just been circling each other and, you know, interacting on social media and discord servers for a while now so it's good to finally talk to you man yeah same here today we're going to be talking about the pokemon trading card game which is a deck building card game developed by hudson soft and creatures published by nintendo for the game boy color in japan in 1998 and north america in 2000 and if it wasn't clear from that description, we are talking about that game boy color version of the game uh, we might get into a little bit about the real cards and the way things have changed, but we are mostly talking about that Game Boy Color game. And this episode today was voted on by patrons of the tube, the uh, oh, the all-encompassing tube for Tales from the Backlog and a Top 3 podcast. So this was voted on by patrons, and if you would like to participate in votes that give you uh, the chance to have a say in what games are talked about on the show, $2 per month gets you voting rights. So check down in the show notes for a little link there. Yeah, elevator pitches for the Pokemon trading card game. Um, I am going to turn over to you, Bill, first. Uh, what would you, how would you pitch this game to somebody? So, the massively popular trading card game created by the Wizards of the Coast and Nintendo, brought to you to the palm of your hand seamlessly for Nintendo's own Game Boy Color handle, almost as if it was based off a popular video game franchise or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You feel like it was only a matter of time before they were like, oh, the Game Boy games are super popular. The cards are super popular. We're going to have a Game Boy game based on the cards. That's my uh, elevator pitch right there. And it is, as far as I remember, a pretty faithful recreation of what the card game was like at the time. And as far as Mm. I remember, they just kind of added in some new cards. But other than that, it's the same as it was when I was a kid. Spoiler policy for this episode, this is going to be weird, because this game has like next to no story. This this game has less story than a regular Pokemon game. So <laughs> the spoiler section for this episode, we're going to do one, but it's going to be real short. We're just going to kind of talk shop about some strategies and favorite cards and favorite, uh, 
you know, deck synergies, if we got any of those working. It's going to be real short, though. So it's going to be a lot different than some of the other games we've talked about on the show recently. But if you don't want to be spoiled on how to beat this game, check the show notes for a spoiler wall timestamp, and uh, we will save you from that. Uh, Before we get into talking about the game, though, uh, Bill, I want to give you a chance to tell people uh, where they may know you from around the internet and podcasting land. All right. So I kind of popped onto the internet back in like 2019. I I run a uh, gaming blog on Instagram called The Barber Who Games. But around like 2021, I branched off and started um, podcasting. And I currently host two podcasts. I have my main one is the Gaming and Collecting Podcast, which I host with my um, sister, Alex. Um, and the whole concept of the show is it's essentially a nostalgia-based gaming and anime podcast where me and Alex will talk about different like games, animes, um, or just random topics from um, our childhood because we uh, grew up together for the most part from um, – because we're only like a year apart. So we have a lot mm-hmm. of like a lot in common from back in the day. Sometimes we'll branch out to something more modern, but for the most part, it's mostly nostalgia-based on a lot of different things. And then my second show I recently started is called The 3DO Experience, and it is a retrospective podcast talking all about the Panasonic 3DO system and its creator, the 3DO company. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, so I have not listened to that. I honestly, I saw you talking about it in a Discord server, and I was like, I don't know what a 3DO is. I've never heard of this, which is, I kind of feel like part of the reason that maybe you started that project is because it's, mm-hmm. it's no one talks about 3DO, right? So um, why not share some expertise there? Uh, my listening experience has been listening to, uh, some episodes of gaming and collecting and something I really appreciate about your show is that, um, it really encompasses both parts of that. It's, it's part of the, the gaming and the collecting side of it. And because of that, you are talking about subjects that I don't hear other gaming podcasts talk about. So like, for example, some recent episodes that I've listened to. I listened to your history on South Park games. I saw that you, I didn't listen to this one because I don't know anything about them, but I saw you did an episode about uh, all the Barbie games that have been done. Yeah, that was a, that was an Alex episode. Yeah. So that's um, the kind of stuff uh, really approaching it from like a a knowledge point that like a collector might have uh, more so than people like me who just, buy games and play those and I don't I don't collect um and I as such there are so many series and things that I know nothing about and you have such like a depth of knowledge on that show it's really impressive thank you so I will recommend that everyone check out uh gaming and collecting and the 3do experience and I will put links down in the show notes for both of those uh, so you can easily find them getting into talking about Pokemon And we'll start with our histories with uh, this game in particular, the trading card game. But I don't feel like we can talk about our histories with a Pokemon game and a Pokemon card game without talking about our histories just with Pokemon and the trading cards in general. So I'll turn it over to you. Uh, When did you first play this Game Boy Color game? But again, what is your kind of overall history with the series? So... My history with Pokemon is really backwards compared to a lot of people's. I actually first discovered Pokemon. Um, we had, so we used to do a lot of road trips back in the day, like, um, with the family going to like different, like, sporting events and stuff down south, like across the country and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And we had this back in the day, like the, the kids might, <laughs> the kiddies might not know, but we had a portable VHS player oh, that yeah. went in the back of the car. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember the one we had came with this Pokemon VHS tape, which was three episodes from the anime. Okay. And that, that was actually my first introduction to the series. Cause we were like, we couldn't have been older than like four at the time, mm-hmm. but I was, I always remember like that was kind of the first real opening to it and then of course the card game would blow up around like that that point of time and i swear that there was a brief period where the card game itself was actually more popular than the games for a while uh-huh. but the funny part is i never saw anyone actually playing the game yeah <laughs> it's just binders full of cards look at my collection uh-huh. oh you want to play i don't know how to play <laughs> <laughs> so the game itself would you believe that this is actually was for the longest time the only Pokemon game I owned on the Game Boy Color? That's uh okay, that's it's kind of weird but not it's not too off, yeah. So, fun fact, for whatever reason, unlike most Nintendo games which forever hold their value and never drop in price, mm. this one dropped pretty quick. Like it was uh up there for a while and then it kind of fell down. And my parents saw that one was the cheapest one, so that was the one I got. <laughs> that was the one I got. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I didn't actually play a traditional Pokemon game until Pokemon Sapphire, like years later. Right. Okay. Um, and so, did you collect the cards then back in the day? I did for a brief period. I didn't. I wasn't a super crazy collector like some people. Like, like I didn't have like the full binders of cards, and I didn't right. have like anything spectacular i was more of a Yu-Gi-Oh kid to be honest okay. so yeah but i did have a few here and there okay fair enough um this uh i i got pokemon red uh for christmas in i think it was 98 uh something like that uh so it was like during pokemon mania and then i when i was a kid i was also a card collector but it was basketball cards uh, i was mm-hmm. huge into collecting basketball cards i had so many of them And then obviously when I found out that there were Pokemon cards, I was like, well, I need these too, because I love cards. I loved, I loved sitting and just looking through my binders and just looking at the cards and reading them and stuff. Uh, So my brother and I constantly were just asking my parents for Pokemon cards. I got trouble for stealing them from Meyer one time. Like I was just all about them. And um, (laughs) you hit it right on the head when you said people were crazy about the cards, but no one was playing them. Because I remember I played one full game of the game with my brother, and that's all I ever played. And this Game Boy Color game was the one, the thing that actually taught me the rules. Because none of my friends played the card game. We all just like to brag about the new cards we got if our parents bought us a pack or something like that. So I played this game back uh, on the Game Boy Color, like back in the day. I don't know if I played it right when it released, but I'm sure that I played it as soon as I heard about it. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. I just, I know me when I was a kid, I would not have shut up about it. My parents were just like, fine, take it and just like be quiet for a couple hours, please. So uh, that's kind of my history with it. I played this game over and over again when I was a kid so much to the point where like I didn't play it until preparing for this episode. And I still remembered a lot about how to play. I remembered a lot about specific like characters, like, you know, the hidden character, I forget his name, but I remembered where to find him and stuff 20 years later, just because Mm -hmm. I played this game so much. So that's kind of my history with it and getting into some kind of opening thoughts here. This game was uh, significantly less fun 
to play now than it was when I was a kid. I still like the game. Like I like the strategy and the rules of the Pokemon trading card game. Uh, this old version, from what I understand, the rules have changed quite a bit. Uh, mm -hmm. But I still like this strategy. This It just wasn't as fun because there are so many coin flips in oh. this game that will make or break anything you're trying to do. And to have your entire strategies be reduced to, well, I just got four tails in a row and I lose because I got four tails in a row. That sucks. So that's kind of my opening thoughts. It's still fun to like think about the strategy and when the coin flips go your way, I did have a lot of fun, but they don't always go your way. Uh, how about you? What was your kind of uh, just general experience? So the game itself, I remember being a lot easier than as a child. I think honestly, that just might be because the older you are, the smarter you are with a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, um, because you're not a child anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I know I found it a lot easier, but at the same time, a lot of things still clicked with me from back in the day. Like, I love how the game like explains everything to you right from the get go, but isn't like intrusive about it like a modern game would be. I really enjoyed like the way like battles are presented. Like, I kind of like how like they actually showed off like the actual sprites from based off of the Gen 1 cards. Yeah. For the time. Um, I do agree. The coin flips are obnoxious. Like <laughs> to me, any card game that requires you to have like additional like stuff besides the cards to me has always been kind of a detriment mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Overall, though, I did find it very memorable. I, I forgot how simple the game actually is, though, besides like the actual card, the card uh, combat mechanics. Yeah. Like, because there's not a whole lot here besides that. No. And that's uh, something that we can get into when we get into the uh, kind of meat of the episode. So let's take a little music break. Uh, listen to some music from the Pokemon trading card game. See if you listeners remember any of this. And then we'll come back and get into it. The story in the Pokemon trading card game is uh, there is there isn't even like the frame story of a regular Pokemon game. It's basically your character is a little kid. Uh, this proceeds exactly like a regular Pokemon game. It's a little kid. You start the game in a laboratory. There's a Pokemon card lab. I don't know what's really going on in this world, but you start out in a lab. Your character wants to collect the legendary cards, and that's it. That is the story of this game. And if I tried to spoil it for you, I couldn't. There is nothing more there for you. Uh, so what you do is you go to the eight gyms. You fight a couple people, then you battle the gym leader, you get your badges, you go fight the Elite Four. It is straight down the middle as far as a Pokemon uh, structure goes. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In a lot of ways, it's essentially, imagine a Pokemon game with longer, more drawn out battles. Uh, all the dungeon exploring is taken away and you just do the gyms. Yeah, it's it literally, it's it has an overworld map and you just choose what gym you want to go to. Like you said, there's no dungeon crawling. There's, there's you, you don't even need to walk from gym to gym. Your character just goes there uh, on the overworld. 
what's kind of funny though is um when you're in the the quote unquote like I, I guess they're gyms in this game. Yeah. Uh, you you kind of walk around like a regular Pokemon game. What's really funny is this game has the run button, like a run button, uh, B, hold down, you move faster. Yeah. Like years before the the mainline games would ever get run. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. This uh, this game did come out before Gold and Silver. So it was a. a actually, it was even, years. even farther than that because uh, the first game with a run button was Sapphire and Ruby. Was it? Uh, you didn't even get the running shoes in Gold and Silver? Nah, it was Ruby and Sapphire uh, were the first ones to introduce that. Okay. So yeah, we're, we're on an entirely new. Uh, handheld at that point by the time another pokemon game finally lets you run so let's uh let's talk a little bit about the card game um, because i have a feeling that a lot of people listening had experience as kids with the card game but then like me haven't played in 20 years or haven't really thought about it in 20 years uh so in this game this is the card game as it was back in 1998 and I was talking to some people and they uh, were telling me that the game has changed quite a bit and that it's actually a lot more like uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! and stuff these days. Uh, there's a lot more like actions and much more involved strategy, I would say. Uh, do you know anything about the modern state of the card game? I, I followed it a little bit. It's funny because you say it's like Yu-Gi-Oh! But Yu-Gi-Oh! is so different now than it was when I was a kid. <laughs> okay. It's like it's even more complicated and unnecessary than it needs to be these days as well. <laughs> so... <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so in um, in the Pokemon game, uh, this is something that I, I hear has changed. Uh, in this version of the game, each deck has 60 cards in it, and you draw seven at the beginning to start your hand. You can play a basic Pokemon card uh, at any time that is a Pokemon that's not evolved. Uh, your you know, Charmander, Pikachu, Rattata, stuff like that. Um, and then if you draw the evolved form you just slap that down to evolve the pokemon um easy peasy uh each pokemon has one or two attacks and those attacks cost energy cards and you will draw those by just drawing from your deck so if your deck is your deck doesn't have enough energy cards or if you just get a shit shuffle uh you're gonna have a hard time doing anything and that was kind of frustrating um as i was playing sometimes one of the big differences between this and the the mainline Pokemon games, uh, which I had kind of half remembered, but like it was a big shock to me, um, is that, you know, the rock, paper, scissors, the type differences are so important in Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And in here, there are only seven types uh, versus 15 for red, blue, and yellow. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's very simplified. And... The weaknesses have even been further simplified. So, mm -hmm. for example, um, a water Pokemon like Squirtle is not weak to grass and electric cards. It's only weak to electric. So, you may build up a great grass deck and take it into the water gym, um, but it might not be great for you because all those water Pokemon aren't weak to grass. Uh, grass is actually better against rock-type Pokemon in the card game. And that's just something that if you have, like, thousands of hours playing the main Pokemon games like I do, that's going to be yeah. a big thing for you when you go into this game and you're like, oh, I thought my deck was great because it, it would destroy the water gym in Pokemon Red. But in this game, it's just 
normal. Nothing, yeah. no advantages to be had. I made that mistake this time around. I completely forgot about this, so my deck was very poorly designed. Yeah, me too. Uh, and like throughout the game, it was always like it's not difficult but it was always like i would come up against a pokemon that has two weaknesses uh based on what it should have you know in the game like a rock pokemon a geodude should be weak to water and grass and i would constantly come up against a geodude and i would be like i don't know what it's weak to i have to like check the card and then be like oh it's weak to grass uh well i have all these water pokemon i guess i don't have a type advantage here luckily it's not a difficult game uh, if the coin flips are going your way, but I was like constantly just not prepared for type weaknesses unless I had like fought somebody, lost, saw what Pokemon they had, and then made my deck to better suit that specific opponent, you know? The RNG in this game can either be your best friend or your worst nightmare at times. Absolutely worst nightmare. Like, that's not an exaggeration. There were like several bouts that i got into where i just i just could not draw the cards i needed and i just i couldn't do anything and i would just get wiped like six nothing in these fights mm -hmm. not all the time but sometimes yeah it's unfortunate an unfortunate aspect of card games and it's even more unpredictable when it's like a a game version of a card game because yeah. you have no like outside like control but yeah it's it's funny how like how many times like you'll have like the perfect setup and then the player will do this one thing that completely destroys your entire game and you'll be like mm -hmm. well there goes everything i guess i better restart <laughs> yeah i i think a lot of these issues with it stem from the fact that the decks are so big and i i got to thinking about uh because we've gone through a huge boom in deck building games in video games in the last five years so I started thinking about like other deck building games that I love. Like I love Slay the Spire. I love Inscription. I love Monster Train. All of those have much smaller decks, like half the size. At the end of a run in Inscription, you'll have 30 cards. Like, and the fact that you have 60 means that you can try to put more strategy into your deck, but the more different strategies you're trying, the less likely it is you're going to pull that energy card that you need. Or... If you want to set up a strategy based on some trainer cards or something, you have 60 cards, you have a what you have like a one in 30 chance of drawing that card. If you have two of them in your deck, it's not I'm not great at math. So don't fact check me on that. But you know, it's uh, the decks are I think they're just too big to operate some kind of grand strategy. Mm. I think one of the reasons why they're so big is because they want to like they want you to have enough space to fill it with like energy cards. Yeah, which are a key part of the gameplay, but at the same time, it's like it's still a lot, and the the RNG still messes with you all the time because of it. Yeah, and your um your starter decks also, and I and maybe I was just too stubborn to like get out of this, but your starter decks in this game start you with two types, mm -hmm. uh, actually usually three types, and then it's like you have I started with the Charmander deck um, because I always start with the Fire Starter. And the Charmander deck has fire Pokemon and then a little bit like fewer electric Pokemon and then some fighting Pokemon. And I immediately found that that was just too many types and I would just constantly be drawing the wrong kind of energy. Mm -hmm. And so I had to cut all the fighting Pokemon out and then it was just fire and electric for the rest of the time I used that deck. Did you have that experience too? 
So I picked the grass uh, Bulbasaur and friends deck. Yeah. And my, my problem with Gen 1 is like, I don't, because I started with Gen 3, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for any of the, uh, the Pokemon. Uh-huh. So I ended up, I kind of like, my deck ended up becoming this mess of just kind of everything because I would just kind of get cards. And I'd be like, I just kind of shuffle them in at random, which honestly probably made my time a lot more difficult than it <laughs> needed to be. Yeah. But that's kind of how I play Pokemon just in general. So uh-huh. I kind of was trying, I was trying to play a lot of the game like I was playing a regular Pokemon game, which I found really quickly doesn't work. No, not in this. Uh, you do. I did have to go, especially later when you're fighting like the Elite Four, I did have to go in and like, like specially tailor my deck and like make real decisions about like, I have four of this Pokemon in the deck right now. That's too many. I'm drawing them too many times. I need to bump that down to two and like make specific decisions like that. Whereas like you're right in the regular Pokemon games, you don't have to have, uh, you don't have to think that hard about your team composition because the games are easy. You just Mm -hmm. have to like not actively try to fuck up your team and you'll be fine. And in this game, you do actually have to think about your deck a little yeah. bit. You can't grind your way out of your problems. This, no, this yeah, there's, there's no grinding. There's no levels. Uh, I mean, you can grind to get packs of cards from trainers, uh, but mm-hmm. not really necessary. Oh, just a side note. Did you, how many booster packs did you get that were nothing but energy? <laughs> I, I think there's, there's a dude in the lab who will give you, if you fight him and beat him, he'll give you two packs that are just energy cards. But uh, for the rest of the trainers, I don't think that happened. I had it happen like four times. Like just raise my, my RNG was not on my side. I think it was the real world messing with me because that happened to me in real life a lot too, where I'd get a Pokemon card pack that was nothing oh, but energy. No. And I was always like, well, that's just depressing. That sucks. You, you can't go to school the next day and show those off to anybody. Yeah. Why do you have like 30 like fire energies? I'm like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I got a holographic Venusaur card, and you're like, "Well, I have, uh, I have 16 Grass Energy. See them all on this page here. They look nice, don't they?" I have 12 of every energy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you you place down your Pokemon. You're trying to evolve them. You're trying to get energy cards on them so that you can use their attacks. Um, the Pokemon have HP. Uh, you attack them, you knock down their HP. When you defeat a Pokemon, you take a prize card. And um, that kind of works out really, really well if you're doing well. And um, it's like a bonus card. So if you're not doing well, your opponent, uh, if when they knock your Pokemon out, they take a prize card and they get bonus cards. So if they're just rolling in all the energy and evolved Pokemon that they need and they keep drawing prize cards that keep helping them out, it it does start to snowball sometimes um, if you're just having a horrible time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, it's not so bad. It's, you know, most fights are four prizes. The gym leaders are six prizes. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, just a little little bonus card you get. And then when you win, you get a, bo- a booster pack, like we said. Yeah. Uh, the last thing about the kind of strategy, and I mentioned it before, are the trainer cards. And those are just kind of like miscellaneous operations, like uh, discarding and redrawing your hand. Mm-hmm. The uh, the goat trainer card, Bill, just draw two cards. I had a really good time with that. And Professor Oak, the one that discards your hand and redraws you a new one. I didn't get too big into like trainer card strategy, though, because I didn't want to like 
I didn't want to put like five or six of them in my deck, which I felt like that would be required if I wanted to like guarantee that I would get that card mm-hmm. like pretty early in a game, you know? The problem I have with like those cards is like they're they're really handy, but half the time when you get them, it's always at a point where you don't need them and you're always like, well, this is great. And now it's just yeah. taking up space. Yeah, I have my I needed my Professor Oak card when I had one card left in my hand, but I drew it when I have 13 and I can't discard this entire hand. So yeah. it's one of those just like great idea never seems to help you when you need it. Yeah. So that's kind of the basic rules of the card game. Like you like you said, Bill, at the beginning, it is a pretty simple card game in the scheme the grand scheme of things. And a lot of the kind of new deck building games have much more like synergy potential, I think, within decks. You can do it, and some of the uh, gym leaders in the Elite Four try to do it in this game, but I just think that the decks are so big and the randomness either between what cards you draw or the coin flips really just like killed any desire for me to set up like big synergies. And it was more just like, I just want to have solid Pokemon in my deck. And if I'm able to evolve to that Charizard and just clean the entire opponent out, that's cool. But I can't count on that in this game. Yeah. I I don't know how many times like I'd have like something set up like perfectly and then the coin flip would fail and it would immediately just destroy my entire life plan. I'd be like, great. <laughs> Back <Yeah>. to square one. <laughs> yep. Or you draw, you, you set it up really, really well. You've got your, um, you've got your Charmeleon. You've got the trainer card that lets you just search for any Pokemon out of your deck and get it. And all you need to do is flip a coin and get heads and you get tails and you're just boned and it's terrible. And then your opponent always seems to get heads. It's funny how yeah. it works like that. Uh, yeah, I can't. One of the Pokemon has an attack where they flip eight coins. I think it's nine tails has an attack like that. And I can't tell you how many times it was like they get seven heads. And mm. meanwhile, I'm struggling to get one on my like paralyzed coin flips or something like that. I always thought that was a funny like little like transfer from the games to like this game was like making the coin flip how like paralyze happens it, it's it was kind of a funny nod to how it's like a game of chance yeah there and that there is a lot of randomness happening behind the scenes in the real game mm-hmm. um, especially back in um you know red blue yellow in that generation um there were a lot of things like the way sleep worked and the way that paralyze worked and stuff like that where it was very similar and you could just like not wake up for five turns in a row Mm -hmm. but i think they had extra things in there where it was like if you've been asleep for three turns your chances of waking up increase every turn after that or something like that and in this game it's just a straight up coin flip every time so sometimes you're lucky most of the time you're not (laughs) no it it really felt like most of the time you're not although that could be a uh oh i forget the word for that that psychology term where you just feel like you get bad luck all the time because that's what you remember the most, you know? Yeah. I I couldn't tell you what the term was, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Status effects are in this game too. um, And I didn't really mess with a lot of them. There's poison, sleep, paralyze, and confuse. Um, The deck that I was using had a lot of electric Pokemon. So I used paralyze a lot. And there were a couple of times when I would just have a Magnemite out there 
and I would just hit heads on all the paralyzed and just dink them down 10 damage at a time until they were down. Um, but a lot of the times, like, I feel like I used up all my luck on that one Pokemon, and then the rest of the match, it'd be like, nope, tails the rest of the time. You used yep. it up. <laughs> it's it's funny how it feels like that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so any other thoughts about, like, the card game? Um, or I mean, because this is... This is what this game is. There is nothing else in this game besides mm. building a deck and doing card matches. I will say like the game, the, te- the the way it teaches you how to play is very well done. Like going back to like the schoolyard back, like how like nobody knew how to play the game. I actually like back in the day used to be like the ref because I was like the one person who had this game and knew how to play the game. Yeah. So I would always kind of like just officiate games and be like, this is how you play. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is how it goes here we go which is kind of cool in hindsight yeah i i mean i definitely do credit this game for teaching me how to play because whatever instructions came with a, like a set that you bought you know if you bought like the board to play the game on or something like that mm-hmm. um i certainly didn't learn from that this is how i learned from this game there is a good tutorial and um i think you mentioned it it the tutorial like forces your hand a lot of like the whole way through to teach you how to do it but it's like one maybe two matches and then after that it's done it's like you go figure out all the rest yeah we're just going to teach you how energy cards work basically and then you're you're free it's such a nice shift from like modern games where they hold your hand <laughs> so hard and it's like even like in end game there's like hey if you know if you do this it's like leave me alone please <laughs> I, I know yeah. what i'm doing the modern Pokemon games uh, just don't shut the fuck up ever. And this one, this one does. X and Y going through the first dungeon. I'm just going to have this party member follow you who's a portable um, Pokemon center. Have fun. <laughs> I I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about like late game in Sword and Shield when people are still trying to teach me things. And I'm like, I just want to like, I want to go into the code or something and just be like, you know, add in a field for like years of Pokemon experience. Yeah. Just be like, it's like I have been like, playing for 25 years. Like I know what I'm doing. Please just shut up and let me play. I always say it, it's like, it's like, ma'am, I've been playing Pokemon longer than you've been programmed. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. This game, uh, as a Game Boy Color game, I think this, uh, I think this was a pretty early Game Boy Color game, if I'm remembering right. So it came out two years before we got it in the States. Yeah. So it was 98 in Japan, uh, which was the year I think that we got red and blue in the States. Mm-hmm. And then we got this in 2000. And then shortly after that, we got gold and silver. And one of the things that I like really noticed playing this was... Comparing this side by side with gold and silver, gold and silver looks way better 
than mm-hmm. this game does. Uh, with the sprites and like the number of colors and things like that, um, especially. So I think this was like one of the first real... Um, I, the Game Boy Color, I think, had just come out when this was released. Because this is like one of those... It's it's one of the the uh, black cartridges that... um Okay. They're, it's compatible with both. Like you can play it on the original Game Boy, but it also has color programmed into it if you play it on I, the Game I Boy see. Color. That makes uh, sense. It was before they were making all the games. Like uh, Gold and Silver themselves were also like this, where you could play them on the original Game Boy uh, in black and white, but they were designed for the Game Boy Color. Crystal mm-hmm. was the only one that was uh, exclusive to the uh, Game Boy Color. Yeah, that makes sense because I did notice, especially with the sprites and stuff. Um, and like, like I said, the, the number of colors that are used, it's a very simple color palette in this mm. game. But the one thing that I thought was really impressive, and you mentioned it earlier, is they recreated uh, in pixel art the sprites from the cards. And they look really good. They do. They, I mean, some of them are a little eh, but I mean, that's just, <laughs> you, you're, we're dealing with 8-bit pixels here. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them are really pretty spot on, like. Uh, to the point, like even the energy cards, are, like right up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I also noticed uh, this was before, like the era or like the mandate that the Pokemon Company or Nintendo made that uh, all the Pokemon have to be maximum cute level. Uh, this was back with the old versions of Pokemon, so like Fat Pikachu and <laughs> like Charmander looks kind of weird. He doesn't look like the cute Charmander from the anime. Yeah, <laughs> like I always, I always say, like uh, Pokemon Red and Blue, like those are some fugly uh, sprites. Yes, but what's funny about those are those were the redrawn versions. We didn't get the <laughs> original red and green sprites, which were even fuglier. Hell yeah, I gotta look those up. I think it's been a while since I've seen some of those. But in and this then they game, re- and then they redrew them again for yellow. <laughs> That's right. Yellow did have uh, much more cute sprites than red and blue front sprites they didn't change any of the back sprites right and oh some of those back sprites from gen one were hideous like what am i what am i looking at (laughs) yeah um but i i love the old like gen one versions of these pokemon i love how a lot of them look like fat pikachu it's that's in this game and so many others uh before the kind of like Man, I feel like there is a mandate company wide where every Pokemon has to be merchandisable. You know, they have to be cute. They have to be slim, except for like Snorlax, uh, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. They need to have their uh, anime designs, basically. Yeah. Yeah. This game has some original cards in it. And that's where you'll start to see some of these like more modern designs for them. Like there's the surfing Pikachu card and the flying mm-hmm. Pikachu card. Uh, those are not Fat Pikachu anymore, but uh, the Fat Pikachu, like, really go, just like, go look at the old Gen 1 Pikachu trading card. It's a chunky Pikachu. It's great. Yeah. Another thing I really liked is, um, th- for for a spinoff game, they actually did, uh, which is something that all, all the spinoffs do to a degree, they actually made original characters for this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're cardboard boxes in terms of personality, but it is yes. kind of neat. <laughs> It's nice that they actually um, went out of their way to make like a, a whole new like region of characters. Yeah. Like I think the main character's name is canonically Mark or something like that. <laughs> and I don't know if I, I don't remember if this is the the rival's canonical name or if you get to even name your rival in this game. I forget. Um, but my my rival's name was Ronald. And yeah, Ronald. That's uh, yeah. that's what that's Bolton the Pedia canon says. name. 
Okay. Bulbapedia confirms that, I guess. I was so. going to I was going to say like I I would not name my rival Ronald. Uh, no, so. that that's even more unfitting than Wall- at least like Wally was fitting. Yeah. <laughs> to the character. <laughs> Ronald is just kind of like I'm expecting like the clown. Yeah, exactly. You can't really associate that name with much else. So the music in this game, I think, is um, a big step down from a main Pokemon game, um, even from Red and Blue. Like, I know we're dealing with Game Boy, you know, sound technology here, but even from Red and Blue, there were a lot of uh, super memorable songs in Mm -hmm. Red and Blue, uh, songs that I remembered literally for my entire life. This game has a couple of songs that I think are pretty good, but they're not super memorable, I don't think. Yeah, mostly the battle themes. Uh, There's just, to me, there's something about, I don't know what it is, but like there's NES like 8-bit chiptune, and then there's Game Boy 8-bit chiptune. Something about the Game Boy's chiptunes just always sounded more pleasant to me and like had kind of like a a calming kind of like feel to them. Mm -hmm. Like, because when I was playing this game, I was like, Nothing was like memorable, like sticking sticking with me throughout the game. But every time my head was bopping, I was like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, I can I can enjoy this. I dig this." Yeah, there's some quality tunes, and uh, a lot of the music, especially like the battle tracks, are a lot more like laid back and relaxed than battle music in a regular Pokemon game. Like the the main battle theme when you just when you're just facing off against regular people in the gyms um, is like. It's a very like relaxing, just kind of chill tune. Like you are just kind of hanging out on a weekend afternoon playing the game with, mm. you know, your brother or something. It's not like the epic battle music from the regular Pokemon games. It honestly sounds like something you'd hear like in a town in like another Pokemon game. Yeah. Or like, yeah, it's like, or like, a, you know, something in a coffee shop or something. That is a good uh, comparison. It's like the department store music from another game. That's the battle tune in this game. Um, mm-hmm. And then they do get into some of the more epic songs, more like epic feel when you're fighting gym leaders or against the Elite Four or something. But it still doesn't rise to the like epic proportions of the the main games. Yeah, like I'd say nothing is unpleasant, but nothing is uh, nothing's memorable. Like everything's pretty forgettable. Yeah. Um, although I, it, it's weird to say, but this, the menu music in this game, when you pause the game and it suddenly gets into like this kind of electronic little, like relaxing electronic song. I really dug that. Like, and I, yeah, it was an odd <laughs> shift, but I was like, I dig it. And it's, it's jarring because it's the game boy. So we're still back in those times when it's like, it stops the song you were listening to like immediately and just shifts straight to that like that menu music, it's kind of jarring too because they're very different styles. Uh, mm-hmm. But I did like that menu music. I bopped to that. Totally. I, I forgot to mention, I played this game on um, two plane rides. This game's not very long. I guess I can mention that now. The, my whole playthrough took me 10 hours. Yeah, that's pretty average. I think I've seen like, I think I did mine in 11, but that's because I was pretty on and off with it. Yeah. I flew from Ohio to Seattle and from Seattle to Ohio. And each of those plane rides are about four and a half hours. And I played the huge majority of this game on two plane rides um, on my D on my uh, 3ds. Yeah, that's how I played it too on the uh, 3ds store. Yeah, it's um, it's a nice little breezy time. Uh, and by the time I was getting like tired of it, it was time to face the Elite Four uh, and kind of get it over with. 
And I I did this as a kid. Once you beat the Elite Four, you can just go fight anybody again at any time. Everyone it will just rematch you forever as many times as you want. And that's what I did as a kid. I just went around, played, fought all the people in the gyms again, fought the the people in like that um uh, I forget what it is, like the champions building or something like the tournament building. Yeah. But you can you can play this as long as you want. Uh, nothing's going to change, but you can just keep go rematching and just keep going. Only now you have the best cards in the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you don't have, uh, you still have the same coins. I'll say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Dragonite got taken out because you got the tails four times in a row? What? <laughs> yeah. It's a real thing that's going to happen. Going to happen to you sometime. Yeah. Anything else about the uh, kind of the way the game plays or anything like that before we get into kind of wrapping the uh, non-spoiler part up? Um, Nothing in particular. Um, It's really, it's such a basic game overall, honestly. It is. There's not much to it other than the card game. I suppose I'll ask you because you're an expert on this. uh, What's the, what's this game like in the like collecting scene is it hard to come by is it expensive it's hard to say because pokemon games are really weird sometimes with their pricing when i last was looking it was like around like 15 bucks like okay it, it's not a super sought after game i mean <laughs> this is my childhood coffee i'm holding but okay um i did do a price check on it a while ago and it really it's not really a desired game. Like a lot of people forget it even exists half the time. Yeah. Like it was such a flash in the pan. Like it, it kind of appeared and then um, it just kind of went away and they moved on to other spinoffs. Yeah. It, it definitely was one of those games that I, um, I played it when I was a kid. I loved it. And then I forgot about it for 10 years. And then I had been meaning to get back to it and play it sometime. And then this, this Patreon vote was just the excuse I needed mm-hmm. Uh, to play it. And also I learned um, maybe a couple years ago that there was a sequel uh, that was yes. only released in Japan. Sorry, real quick before you get into that. Um, uh, just an update. I did look up the price and it's currently fluctuating from around $20 to like 15 loose. And then I guess a boxed copy would probably be more, but I haven't seen one. Oh, uh, oh someone wants $800 for a boxed copy. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good luck. Yeah. I mean, someone might buy it. It is kind of weird how this game, for all the Pokemon games, it doesn't, it's not, like you said, not very sought after for collectors and definitely not very sought after for people who actually want to play it, um, I feel like. You could probably buy a house if you sold like a complete collection of Pokemon games these days, but I don't think this one would be a big contributor to it. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, the uh, the sequel, though, is... Um, something that I just learned about a little bit ago. And I am kind of curious about that. Uh, number one, because I I stopped collecting Pokemon cards when Gen 2 came out. I just mm-hmm. like, I either lost interest or my parents were like, we are not spending any more money on Pokemon cards. It's just not happening. Uh, so I don't know anything about those cards. I don't know about any rule changes. And again, that Game Boy Color game never got released in the US, but I did get a um a fan translation uh that's on my 3DS. I'm ready to play it sometime. Um have you dipped into that or anything? I played it once. I I found the ROM online, the translation. Yeah. Um I'd actually like to save my thoughts on that until after we get into like the spoiler stuff if that's all right. Okay. There we go. As a little tease for the spoiler section, we're not going to be talking about the story, but Bill's thoughts on Pokémon Trading Card Game 2. 
coming up. So yeah, let's get into some final thoughts about this uh, game before we do get into that spoiler section. Um, the question I ask in the final thoughts section is, who would you recommend this game to? So that that's the difficult thing about this game, <laughs> because if we were still in like 2000 and like podcasting was a thing then, yeah. I'd say I'd recommend it to anybody because it's a great tool for teaching you how to play the game. The problem is, though, it's so out of date now and... Let's be real. Who's I don't even think. Does anyone actually play the Pokemon card game these days? I'm really not sure. Yeah, I have. I'm so out of touch with that. I would have no idea. I'm sure that there are tournaments and stuff, but yeah, nobody I know even buys Pokemon cards anymore. So yeah, Um, so I'd probably say no, unless you're like the biggest of Pokemon fans and you just have to have it. So yeah, I guess it's like that. Back in the day, sure. Now it is probably not. Yeah, it's it's a tough one to like honestly recommend because like like I said at the beginning I did have fun with the game as a whole but there are so many moments of little micro frustrations mm-hmm. just because you there is so much randomness in this uh, from how big the deck is and what cards you draw to how your coin flips go so much randomness that it's just it's just not as fun to play as any number of the other like deck building games that have popped up. Uh, like you know, slay the spire and inscription and stuff like that. Those even are even like the uh, Yu-Gi-Oh games from back, and they had more to offer yeah. than this game does. Okay, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. So, as a deck building game, I don't really recommend it. But if you are a person with a lot of nostalgia for the Pokemon trading card game, um, why not give it a shot? I mean, you can emulate it like I did, or like Bill said, you can buy it. This is not one of those physical retro games that are hundreds of dollars. You said $15, right? So you're probably going to pay more for an actual Game Boy Color. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. So, you know, I would recommend you, you know, if you have nostalgia or good memories, give it a shot, have, uh, you know, unlock some of those nostalgia, warm feelings. Um, but as a deck building game, I don't like it that much. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of kind of hurts to say, but that's just I I was very frustrated often while playing this. It it's like one of the definitions of what I'd call aged. Yeah, and you know, we are playing a a, a very out of date version of this card game. Uh so if they made a Pokémon trading card game with modern rules, I would love to check that out and learn how to play the new version of the game. There's no way in hell I'm going to go buy cards no. <laughs> to teach myself how to play those. So please, uh, Nintendo, Pokemon Company, make another trading card game. Let me uh, let me get into that. I'd play it. Yeah. Um, so before we get into spoiler time, a little housekeeping. Um, always guest uh, gets another chance to uh, tell people where are they where people can find them so again where can people find uh, game and collecting and the 3do experience so you can find the game and collecting podcast and um, the 3do experience on pretty much all the major podcasting platforms particularly Apple podcast and Spotify um, we have a YouTube channel but it's kind of on hiatus at the moment um, I just don't have time to actually transfer <laughs> the episodes there at the moment yeah um, and then uh, we have Instagram uh, Twitter and all, all that stuff. Yeah, and I will put links down in the show notes to socials and um, uh, podcast links and stuff like that too. Again, uh, I recommend the Gaming and Collecting podcast um, because it's just coming at 
uh, video games from a, a different perspective than me and a lot of the other guests that I have on the show. Um, you have, again, like I said, you have such a like breadth of knowledge about games and game history that I just don't have, that it's really interesting to listen. And I recommend it to everybody else. For Tales from the Backlog, uh, same things I always say on the show. Um, again, you can join the Discord server if you want to come in and talk about games. If you have enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and review if your platform allows it. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, uh, Good Pods, those places allow those types of things, and those are very helpful uh, for podcasts. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, this episode was voted on by patrons, and consider supporting on Patreon if you like what I'm doing with this and with a Top 3 podcast, which is my other show doing top three lists. Uh, That's a good time. So listen, if that sounds interesting to you, Bill and I are going to take a break. And when we come back, it's spoiler time for the Pokemon trading card game. Bill and I are back. Time for spoilers for the Pokemon trading card game for Game Boy Color. Um, and you teased in the non-spoiler section that you had something about Pokemon trading card game two. So uh, take it away. What do you got? So I wanted to save this for after the spoiler section because there's one thing about this game two that's missing that is pretty key to the series that a lot of, that I realize we never brought up at all. There's no evil team. There's no villains. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's so simplified. It, yep. So the reason I bring that up is um, the second game. So it never officially released over here. Um, it is. It has been translated, but the name of the game is Pokemon Card GB2. Here comes Team GR. Okay. <laughs> so the Here Comes Team GR is actually a reference to this game's villains because this game actually has a story oh interesting so the second game has a story and has villains and all of that so it's not anything remarkable like it's still like below like the the main it's a pokemon story like let's be real here but the team in this game is team great rocket great (laughs) great uh great 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 job guys um yeah and they're actually the story revolves around them it's still the same basic idea What's cool is, though, the game actually adds, obviously, new cards. Um, you get the ability to play as a female uh, protagonist. Um, I think her okay. name is Mint. Mint. <laughs> Pokemon Logic. Um, yeah. And there's actually a world map to explore. And th- the key thing is the story itself is actually, like, it, something happens in the game. Yeah, there is a story. We'll stop short of saying that it's a good story, but there is a story, right? I haven't finished it, but it, it there is a story. <laughs> I've been okay. playing a, a bit of it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to to dip into it sometime, despite my misgivings about this, because I just I'm very curious about more of this and how they would have iterated. And like I said, I want to see the new cards too, because Gen Two is my favorite Pokemon generation. So yeah, I just I wanted to save that for after spoiler, just because I figured it was kind of an interesting note to bring sure. up. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've never really had complaints about spoilers leaking through in the non-spoiler part, but it'd be very funny if the first time it happened was like, you said there was no villains in the Pokemon trading card game, and that's a huge spoiler, and I'm mad. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. very good. Well, I was thinking about it. I'm like, I, I, we were going through it. I was like, are we going to mention it? No, okay. I guess I'll bring it up then. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's an odd thing. It's, it's surprising like, how yeah. there's nothing. It's it's one of the only things about this game that doesn't follow the the main Pokemon games to a T, like the structure, you know. The most villainous character in this game is Ronald, but he's he's about as dickish as most uh, rivals in the yeah, series. And so. you you only fight him like three times. Like he pops up like maybe two or three times in the gyms, and then of course he's the final uh, match at the end. Mm. Um, I did want to bring up those fun fun thing about Ronald. His decks are like the funniest things. Like, because everybody's deck has a different name in the game. Yeah. Uh, Ronald's decks are hilarious because the first time you fight him, his name is his deck's name is the I'm Ronald deck. <laughs> uh, then the second time you fight him, he, it's, it's powerful Ronald deck. <laughs> uh, the third time, invincible Ronald deck. <laughs> okay. And then the the final <laughs> encounter uh, where when he's the champion is legendary Ronald deck. <laughs> okay, that's good. I just thought that was funny for yeah, some reason. That's, you know, the Pokemon, uh, the writing staff is not necessarily getting credit all the time, but those are pretty funny. Yeah. And this isn't even Game Freak, which is probably why it's more interesting, honestly. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I did. Uh, I, I was thinking about that when I was putting together the notes and I saw that it wasn't Game Freak. And I was like, uh, just, you know, not that this game takes the big chances that I that everyone like is screaming at Game Freak to take, but like a little bit different. I don't know if it's come across, but I'm not the biggest fan of Game Freak as a company. So. Oh, I mean, it's it's really hard to be a giant fan of Game Freak if you care about the direction of the franchise at all, you know? I've always said the heart and soul of the series is secretly Creatures, Inc. It's probably not that far off. I mean, I was just very happy earlier this year when Legends Arceus did some new stuff. The first I time Game Freak's tried in years. <laughs> yeah. Well, they tried to make that uh, that game the non-Pokemon game, Little Town Hero or something, and that game was apparently horrible. So, whew, it's, uh, it's rough. They, yeah. they got themselves a, uh, uh, like a golden parachute, an eternal golden parachute in just being the company that makes Pokemon. Yeah, uh, and Drill Dozer, because apparently that game is popular. You know, I've ha- I have heard people say that Drill Dozer is actually good, uh, but I haven't played it's kind of expensive on the Game Boy Advance, so that's the only reason I haven't tried it. Fair enough. Um, all right, so back to the Pokemon game. Spoiler section is just kind of just talking shop about the way we got through the game. So uh, you said you started with the Bulbasaur and Friends deck. Um, did you stick with that through most of the game, or did you do a lot of alterations or make a second deck or anything? So... I kept the grass types because grass is my favorite uh, type in Pokemon. But after that, I kind of would just incorporate a lot of random stuff I got from um, the booster packs. Whenever I play a card game like this, I always I have such a hard time at like designing decks like specialized, like in uh-huh. like a specialized sense. So I always kind of just go with what I find and just make it work. So I ended up with a lot of grass and electric types, which is an odd combo, but they work for me for the most part. Mm hmm. I used a lot of electric types too, because uh, I started with that Charmander deck. And so there are eight gyms, and I think I beat six of them without changing 
the composition of my deck other than, like I said earlier, I took all the fighting types out because it was just diluting the energy pool too much. Um, but I went through most of the game with just fire and electric. Mm. And the electric types were, other than Charizard, the electric types were my MVP uh, throughout the game. Uh, Zapdos, Raichu, and Magneton, basically. Voltorb was mine. That, he, he helped me so many times throughout that game. It, it, it Okay, I never used it. I never used Voltorb uh, Yeah, in Electrode. I ended up just getting him in the first booster pack, and I was like, all right, I'll okay. have, I'll have <laughs> a Voltorb. Yeah. And every time he'd, co- he'd pop up so often, I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to go with Voltorb. I used Magneton as one of my like main Pokemon uh, nice. because it had an attack that did 30 damage and a chance to paralyze if you win the coin flip. And that was, it turned out to be really good. It turned out to be good. And it was really good if I was getting a couple of those coin flips. I could beat almost any Pokemon uh, with that. Nice. Yeah, I wasn't nearly as lucky. I had a lot more random chance. Had I, I kind of had to brute, <laughs> I, I had to brute force my way through a lot of fights, let's just say. Yeah. Well, it, like, and I was kind of getting to that. Like, I didn't feel like I had to really update my deck a whole lot. I felt like I could brute force my way through most of the gyms, even if I had type disadvantages. It's, again, as long as the coins are not like totally fucking you over, it's not a hard game. Yeah. Like I found the, the only one encounter really got me in the game. And that was um, the third uh, Ronald fight. For some reason, I got stuck on that one for like ever. Interesting. For whatever reason. I think it might my deck might have just been bad or I had horrible luck, but for some reason that one was like the bane of my existence this playthrough. Interesting. Yeah, I, I lost to him twice um, in those kind of after you beat the gym leader and he ambushes you, those fights. Um, mm-hmm. I lost to him two out of the three times it happens, uh, but I couldn't rematch him any of those times. You either Maybe you only get one shot at those or you needed to go like beat the gym leader again or something. I don't know, but I, I always saved right before the gym leader. So I, I just okay. kind of got the, the gym that fight down. And then I'd have to just get through the, uh, the, the Ronald fight again. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so who were some of your like MVP Pokemon then other than Voltorb and Electrode? So it was those two. Um, I had Bulbasaur throughout the entire thing. Okay. Um, but I, I love the grass type, so he, that was just kind of a, a nostalgia thing. Um, right, I had a Raichu as well. Ra- Raichu was my, my other MVP. Yeah, Raichu was really good. I had a couple of those in my deck uh, from the beginning because it's part of that Charmander deck. Mm-hmm. Charizard, of course, if you're able to get it going. Um, Charizard just has like the best ability. I didn't really mention the Pokemon powers um, before, but Charizard's ability where it it can just turn any energy card into fire um, is just, it's so powerful. So again, it's part of that luck about whether I actually drew all the cards I needed to get a Charizard going. But if I did, it's basically an automatic win. Yeah. Um, did you use any of the legendary cards when you got them or? No, because it was at the end of the game. Yeah. And um, so I got stuck at the end. I want to talk about like things that I got stuck on. I got stuck on the Elite Four and I save-stated my way through the Elite Four uh, because it's a lot of battles in a row, and I was just not having good coin luck, um, yep. both with my attacks 
And I, it's one of the first, it's either the first or the second of the Elite Four has the Moltres deck. And uh, the Moltres card has this attack, flip a coin, if it's heads, it does 70 damage. If it's tails, it does nothing. And I, I just, I just got destroyed by that. Like it would just wreck my entire team. I felt like it got like 80% heads. Yep. <laughs> and so I had to save state my way through that fight uh, because it was just so hard. Yeah, I got it. I actually, it's funny. I didn't even think of save states at the time, but I thought it was funny. The legendaries were so Mewtwo is not in this game, which I thought was interesting. Oh, it is. There's oh, is it in this game? Mew- there's two Mewtwo cards. There's okay, a. I, ne- uh, I never found him. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's in there because I had one of them. In uh, eventually, I had to like uh, basically just sack up and like not use the fire deck. So I had to make a psychic and water deck to take care gotcha. of the last two gyms. Gotcha. And there's two Mewtwo cards, but they're the same. They're two variations of the same card. It has the same attack, same HP, just different sprites. And one of them is like special for only the game. That was weird. Yeah. Yeah, I never found that. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, I interrupted. Go on. No, I was just going to say, I thought it was interesting. You had the three birds and then they counted Dragonite as well. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. I thought it was weird that the legendary versions of the birds were worse than the regular version of the yeah. birds. Like the Zapdos one is way worse than the original Zapdos card. So like when I beat those and I got the legendary Zapdos version, I was like, I don't want this. This isn't. <laughs> it's like my, my I, I, I'm very underwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Same with the, uh, actually, I think the Articuno version might be better than the regular one, but I wasn't using um, Articuno in the decks. Um, But yeah, those Elite Four fights were a genuine challenge. And Mm. some of them, I think I I lost one of them because I ran out of cards. Like, that's how long it took me. The old uh, attrition method. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They were definitely going for it in that, um, in that one. It's funny how the computer never seems to run out of cards. I beat one of the gym leaders because they ran out of cards. Did, okay, so it can yeah, happen. It can That's happen, fun. but it it did happen to me more often. Maybe I got a little bit too happy with the Professor Oaks, you know? Because, yeah, I, I didn't mention that in the non-spoiler part, but if you're still listening, it's one of the win conditions uh, for the game is if someone runs out of cards, they just lose. It doesn't matter what else is going on with their hand or what Pokemon they have out, just lose. So that's a pretty common thing. in A lot of, uh, card, uh, collect trading card games though, isn't it? I, I don't know. I don't have any real experience with other trading card games like Yu-Gi-Oh. I've never played. I, um, I think the same thing Magic. happened in Yu-Gi-Oh. If you ran out okay. of cards, you were done. Yeah. My only other card game experience is stuff like, uh, like slay the spire and you just reshuffle your deck if you run out. Gotcha. So yeah, I'm trying to think back to like, fighting through the elite four or gym leaders and stuff. And I'm really just coming up with Magneton and Charizard. I just kind of rode them throughout the whole game, unless it was one of those odd fights where I had to use my, um, water and psychic deck. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause like I said earlier in the, uh, the podcast, like it's basically, it's just Pokemon, but if it was longer and more drawn out. Yeah. And less complicated with the type matchups and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which somehow makes it more confusing at the same time. It's, it's weird <laughs> how that works. 
I definitely like, yeah, like I said before, all my knowledge from all those years of memorizing types and weaknesses and, you know, this Pokemon has a weird type that you wouldn't expect from looking at it. All of that knowledge is not helpful in this Mm. game. You have to check all the cards and read and all that stuff. I thought it was funny too that there's seven uh, types, but there's eight gyms. So one of the gyms is just doubled for some reason. Yeah. Uh, was there a uh, was there a colorless gym? I don't remember. I think there's two. I forget which thing, but I remember there was like two. Oh, there's a uh, there's a fighting gym and there's a rock gym, which is the same yeah. type in the game. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, we can't program in another type, so just just figure it out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't they didn't do a colorless. That that would have made sense, but I don't think colorless actually exists in this game. Uh, well, like colorless Pokemon, like, uh, you know, the normal Pokemon and yeah. stuff. Yeah. That's- yeah. In the uh, trading card game too, are there more types? Do you know? So there's like a pink one now. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's fairy. Uh, like um, maybe nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Like I haven't played the game itself, but I looked up the types um, before this and I noticed like there's a pink one now. So they've definitely added more. Yeah. I, I did see that about the... Uh, like the the real cards now, um, there's definitely several more types. But I was wondering about that um, the sequel uh, for the Game oh, Boy Color. Um, not that I noticed because it's still because yeah. that came out 2001, so it wasn't really that much farther. Yeah, I guess it if it has the Gen two Pokemon in it, then they only added in Steel type and Dark. I want to say mm-hmm. in Gen two, so. Not a whole lot of room to add in um, yeah. new stuff. Cool. Uh, yeah. Anything else uh, you want to talk about without the constraints of being spoiler free? <laughs> um, no, nah, there's really not much more to the game. No, it's, there isn't. <laughs> it's. I'm so actually amazed. The only reason I'm amazed it's ten hours long, and I'm pretty sure the only reason it is is because it's the, the battles can. It's all a game of chance sometimes. Yeah, some of those battles can legit take. 20 to 30 minutes if it's like if you're really getting deep into the decks Mm -hmm. so and then some of them are you know less than five minutes uh it really really just depends how the coins are flipping what makes me laugh though is the the character on the overworld his running speed is like the fastest thing i think i've ever seen in a pokemon game (laughs) he moves like a freaking lightning bolt i'm like yeah especially on the overworld yeah he's crossing the entire like continent in a couple of seconds yeah, it's like, okay, I wish we had this in Pokemon. Yeah, maybe there's more to this kid than meets the eye. I also like the implication that this is a, like just a random island that doesn't have Pokemon, but there's a card game based off of them. Yeah, this it's like uh, like New Zealand, where they don't have all the, the scary animals from Australia or something, but yeah. they have trading cards based on them. I don't know. That would be, <laughs> that would be something. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, this has been a good time, man, and I appreciate you coming on to uh, to talk about the uh, the trading card game with me. It's been a good time. Thanks for having me. And uh, one more time, a, a recommendation for people to check out gaming and collecting and the 3DO experience. Check down in the show notes for links. Uh, thank you once again to Bill for coming on and everybody listening. Thank you. Tune in next week for the next game that comes out of the backlog.